This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Hey there, howdy. Here we are representing the other side of I-35 over here on the other side of Texas. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for telling a friend you hang out here on the other side. You're listening to this live time. I've been on the phone with editors. Got a statewide piece that's going to be up in the next few days. Sorry to keep you waiting. Your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, hanging out where Buddy Holly was raving on, and we still rave on, though in a different way, right here from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous, the Racer Car Wash Studios. Racer Car Wash voted Lubbock's best wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City, for the best wash around, go to racerwash.com. Find the location that's most convenient for you. Start off with where we left off yesterday and under that thumb. Cue the music there, Daniel. That is our reading gate music that you hear there. Under the thumb of... Under the thumb of John Sharp. I just, I've read enough history of this region to know that we don't do well to be underneath the thumb of anybody. That'd be Quanta Parker or Santa Ana or Dust Bowls or, you know, Wall Street Bus, whatever it might be. We don't do well under the thumb. And that's why I mentioned this yesterday a big campaign, I'm told. And you'll hear more and more about this tomorrow, but you heard it here first. Uh, Big campaign underway to oust Rick Francis from the Board of Regents at Texas Tech for the way that things were handled with Bob Duncan. Still no good explanation. And I'll stick by my thesis here. If you're going to fire the likes, like... Draw the analogy. Let's say that the Saints are in a big contract negotiation with Drew Brees, and the number comes down to effectively 1% of operation expenses over the last four years. Do you tell Drew Brees to walk? Because that's what Rick Francis, on behalf of the board, and with the board, said to to Bob Duncan, which is why this doesn't make any sense. And the more, you know, what Rick Francis wrote in that limp-handed, ham-handed Avalanche Journal op-ed was, well, this was a $5 million disagreement over the course of five or four years with Bob Duncan. He was out of control with spending. And, you know, look, 
my boots are wet and it's not because of the rain. Whenever Francis talks like that, he's a very successful banker. He knows how numbers work, and he also knows how to at least try to. This may work in his neck of West Texas, but not here. Nobody's buying that. That was 1% of budgets approved by Francis, and the increases were because of items that Francis had signed off on, component costs, and those drove up the costs in the systems office. It was all a red herring. And everybody knows at this point. But it's not just that our boots are wet and it wasn't the rain. It's that you had secrecy involved and you had their own. If they went behind those doors and say like they do, well, this was our fiduciary judgment. Well, what's your fiduciary judgment been outside of closed doors? Regents, what's it been? And this is pertinent because you've got a regent meeting coming up, what, in within 10 days? A regent meeting that has been, well, a little over a week. It was supposed to be October 4 and October 5, has just been driven back to October 4 alone. Uh, what's more dangerous on a Saturday, or what's more dangerous on a Thursday, as it were, um, to be downtown in Juarez? dressed up as a woman or um, to be caught near the systems office as a regent? Uh, and that's a question maybe for the Texas Rangers to answer. I don't know. Uh, but I could certainly understand them amending it to one day. But this campaign to unleash, uh, as I understand tomorrow, no holds barred. And it's going to be, it's going to put everybody on notice that this is, no longer something that just a few are talking about. It's going to make known that it's something that everybody's talking about. And there'll be a website, as I understand. There may be planes involved, as I understand, signage involved. And uh, people very serious behind this effort uh, that, you know, and I asked the question, are the people behind this wanting to take Francis's place? And I'm told, no, they're just people who are tired of being pushed around and uh, people who want to see that difference made. So you can expect that if you're listening live, this broadcast is brought to you on Wednesday. Those of you listening on the podcast, I believe the news will break uh, maybe before you listen to this, probably Probably after. And speaking of the podcast, and speaking of Regent Gate, I really do want to express again my gratitude for every one of these episodes. The at least gets played 50 or more times in College Station. Lots of analytics on the website from College Station. Somewhere. Chancellor Sharp with a big belly laugh. I'm sure he enjoys the Rolling Stones being played in his honor there. Uh, coming up on this edition of the show, we will have, uh, I believe, a call later on. I was given notice about a call that we'll have here in about, uh, oh, 40 minutes from now, 30 minutes from now. But coming up in a couple of minutes, we'll have Ross Ramsey of 
the uh, Texas Tribune, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Some stuff to get into. State Senator Charles Schwartner is in some trouble and uh, allegedly sent some pictures to a grad student at UT. Get into that and why, even if there's not a blue wave, politics could change in Texas because of maybe because of how close the O'Rourke and Cruz campaign is going. But the way things are going here, off to a great start. Stick right with us here on your other side. Get in with some Ross Ramsey on the other side. No pun intended. Grinning ear to ear. Glad you're with me. 806-745-5800 with your text thoughts as we roll along right here on AM580. Enjoy some Jerry Chan. You're welcome. All I know is you gotta keep trying. You gotta let them down and you keep from crying. The only sure thing is Texas and dying. And you love to make the living worthwhile. Save on, buddies. This. <laughs> this program, Other Side of Texas, is sponsored by the law firm of Mon- that's That's my signature, by the way, Rave On Buddy. That's what I, that's what I begin to post all the time. Rave On Buddy. Cap- lower capital B, because you aren't the buddy, but Rave On Buddy. The Other Side of Texas is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton, Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas. Mullen Horton Brown is uh, committed to employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. Yes, Dave, thank you on the text line. I am feeling better. Uh, Those of you who are not listening on Monday, I uh, woke up on Sunday, felt like I had swallowed a uh, handful of razor blades, followed it with cheap tequila, but I am back thanks to modern medicine, uh, the same modern medicine that helps me achieve other aspects in life, like uh, conceiving ch- three children in the same home uh, within a 20-month span. So God bless modern technology, and God bless somebody else as well. That's my political counselor. He is Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Ross Ramsey, how are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you doing? Uh, Super well, thanks to modern medicine. Yeah, heck of a lead-in. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just trying to be vulnerable with the people here, Uh, Ross. um, So I'm going to talk about this after you get off, but lots of people have questions about the sort of allegations. So let's just jump into it immediately. The allegations sure. being brought up against Brett Kavanaugh is like a 17 year old and what went on. Tell us about, describe for us where, because I've not done this yet. Charles Schwartner, one of, uh, one of 31 state senators, where does he serve out of and what court, what sort of allegations have been made against him? He is a Republican from Georgetown. He's got a district that sweeps from Williamson County, which is just north of Austin, uh, all the way east to Huntsville and all the way north up to Freestone and Limestone counties. It's a nine-county district that includes Texas A&M and includes, you know, Round Rock and Dell and all of that stuff. And, you know, it's a pretty big district. And he is a pretty significant player in Dan Patrick's Senate. And the allegation is that um, it's, it's 
unsubstantiated, and he is denying it, but a graduate student at the University of Texas reported to the University of Texas that he had sent her, he had propositioned her in a text and sent a picture of his genitals to her phone. And so this came out in the Austin American Statesman, where are we, We're Wednesday, yesterday afternoon, and uh, he's hired lawyers, they're digging into this, he says that there was no such text sent, and you know, it, it's the you have two things here. You have a serious allegation against a state senator, and you have a serious allegation against a politician who is, you know, five weeks away from an election. So, you know, there's there's a lot to unpack there, and we're in the early stages. You know, I say we, I mean everybody, the law, the law enforcement people, um, the political people the Senate, all of those, everybody's in the early stages of unpacking this thing. And the lieutenant governor coming out today saying that he's deeply concerned about these allegations. Right. Uh, he's, you know, at this point, the, the, you know, his line, it's kind of a standard line right now. As you come out and you say, you know, I'm deeply concerned about this. I hope they investigate it quickly so that we can get to the bottom of it. And, um, I, he also said, and I don't understand why UT made this public. And it's not clear exactly how this got in the hands of the Austin American statesman. Um, but, you know, eventually we'll figure that out. Wow. So had you, any executive editor at Texas Tribune, had any heads up about this? Had anybody leaked nope. it? No, we first saw it in the statesman. So, it's not unusual for something to break in a particular publication. You know, we've, you know, we've broken stories, they've broken stories. That's not unusual. It's an unusual place for a story like this to come from, you know, from a university instead of from a, you know, regular law enforcement or from a civil suit or, you know, uh, during some other kind of, in some other kind of context, uh, you know, in a political campaign or something like that. But uh, this is a weird one. So lawyers hired, but how... How close is the race then? And we'll get into competitive races here in just a moment, but how close is Schwartner in this race coming up? Uh, it's not a close race. It's, it's a safe district. Um, Greg Abbott beat Wendy Davis in that district by more than 30 percentage points. Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton in that district by about 20 percentage points. Um, there's a Democrat and a Libertarian in the race. Both are females. Um, but you know, they would have to cover a lot of ground to catch up with Schwartner in that particular district. It's just a pretty red district. The, you know, one interesting aspect about this, I'll give you a peek at the next column that I've finished writing, it'll publish tomorrow morning, is that there are a couple of other races up there, a congressional race involving John Carter, a Republican incumbent who's got this um, helicopter pilot uh, from Afghanistan who's a Democrat running against him. Her name is M.J. Hager. Uh, if Schwartner's voters in Williamson County are jittery, you know, presumably that would help M.J. Hager in that race. There are two mm. uh, Texas House seats in this um, area. Uh, one is uh, Larry Gonzalez holds it right now. He's not running for re-election. And that's considered a kind of a jump ball even before the Schwartner stuff uh, between the Democrats and the Republicans. And there's an incumbent named Tony Dale who has a slight edge in his district, but, you know, can't afford to lose Republican votes. And, you know, this could have, you know, 
raise the apprehension level over in his campaign, too. Yeah. So it's not just the Schwartner campaign that would be affected. Now, if they can clear all of this very quickly and clear up you know, voter concerns about it very quickly, this could disappear as quickly as it arose. But, you know, it's a it's a tough problem that's close to an election. Yeah, and I just, for listeners who may not be familiar with Texas politics, Schwartner has run the lead on pro-life issues. Schwartner has run the lead, or helped run the lead, at least on the transgender bathroom issue in the last legislature under the auspices of Family Man. And I would think that if I'm Dan Patrick, uh, I, I better have some good assurances that Schwartner's on the right side of this thing. Right. Well, the first thing you want is the is a complete investigation. Tell me, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's probably a bad analogy, but it's just like when your kids do something. The first thing you want to know is, okay, tell me exactly what happened here. Let's sort this out, and then we'll sort, and then we'll figure out what to do about it. They don't have all the facts yet, and you know that's particularly uncomfortable. You know, when there's a time constraint or a time value to the problem, you know, and that's the election. I mean, if this was just out in the middle of the summer, you could relax a little bit. Let's figure out what's going on and we'll talk about it. This is right before an election. You've got everybody in the advertising part of the election. People will start voting in a, you know, like I say, a couple of weeks into October and uh, time is of the essence here. Hmm. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. You can see his pieces drop Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday there at texastribune.org. Ross, tell me, well, let me tell you something first. I feel like I'm a Pete Laney, Charlie Stenholm throwback, and I bark in the wilderness and uh, with without a party on which to lay my head. Um and I hear a lot of pragmatists a lot of times, and I think to myself to be a pragmatist to some degree, but the goal is not to win. The goal is to bend. It's to bend the, the current trajectories of things from both the far right and the far left into something that meets the policy needs of the great middle, the great middle that, in, as you know, in this state doesn't vote worth a flip. So it makes you kind of wonder what you're doing at the end of the day. But that to say that within what we're seeing right now, and you've written about this this week, could I doubt, and I don't want to speak for you, I doubt things are going to turn blue, but I do think that it can help bend the mold going forward. What do you think? You know, things turn purple before they turn blue. Um, and, there are some places in the state where, you know, the, the turn to blue has taken place. Dallas County is a great example. Harris County, where Houston is, is um, making that turn. It's not as strongly blue as Dallas is, but it's trending that way. Um, a lot of the rural areas of the state actually have been trending red. So, But if you're going to flip a state, you're going to flip a piece at a time, and this is how the Republicans did it in the 80s. It was a little bit at a time, you know, this race and then that race, and they were building organizations, and as counties grew, and, you know, they built a pretty um, lasting majority party. They haven't lost a statewide election since 1994, which is a pretty good record. Um, and, you know, but we're seeing some elections this time where you sort of raise your eyebrow and you go, could that happen again? Is it, are we at a point where 
some of these statewide elections are getting close enough that the Republicans can't assume they're going to win in November. You know, the obvious one is the one that's talked about a lot is the U.S. Senate race. You know, it's, you know, it's been a red state. It's probably still a red state. Ted Cruz has the advantage going into that. But this Beto O'Rourke thing sure is interesting, and it makes people kind of wonder, you know, could it happen? Um, you know, you're getting things like that around the state. And, you know, I don't know that we're changing from red to blue, but, um, you know, uh, the first sign that you'll see that we might be is things turning purple that have been red for a long time. You know, whenever I spoke with Beto O'Rourke, back in the spring we did a 40 minute sit down and i asked him are you running in the fashion of ralph yarborough here as a traditional liberal and his response was no i'm running as a john tower as if to say i see that i've got to take a modicum uh here i've got to be pragmatic in how i move forward but a John Tower who emerged red in a very blue state at that time. Uh, and also and also ran as a Republican at a time when the Democrats were fighting with each other. And, and you know, part of that analysis and part of, you know, I think what, you know, he's thinking and what some of these other folks are thinking is that the Republicans are squabbling. Maybe you can run up the middle. Yeah. Well, and I think it is a good squabble. I've. I've been interested, Ross. I've seen, I'm not going to name names because I don't know all their names off the top of my head, but I brought this up on Monday. There were lots of House Republicans who, uh, 150, but I think that Cruz and some, some think tanks pointed out four or five that Cruz could go in and endorse the candidates in. And, um, I've not seen them necessarily stand up and hoop and holler for Ted Cruz at this point, which may play into that whole Beto O'Rourke, John Tower analogy. Right. You know, the the way you judge whether you want somebody to come in and talk for your campaign, you know, and two two great examples are, you know, if you're a Republican, should you bring in Trump? If you're a Democrat, should you bring in Obama? Um and, the, you know, to me, the, the, it's a pretty simple question. Are you going to excite more of your voters than you incite on the other side? Are you going to make the other side so mad that you actually turn out their voters? Or is it going to be so exciting for your voters that you're going to turn yours out? And that's the calculation on, a, on an endorsement. Does it, is it a net benefit or not? And if it's a net benefit, you bring them in. And if it's not a net benefit, you say, uh, thanks, I think we got this. Uh let me just ask you this quick stab before we move on. Cook Political Report, other other polling analysis places in Texas have that Senate race in a toss-up. Do you think of it as a toss-up, or do you think uh, Cruz still has a comfortable lead? I never have thought he had a comfortable lead. I think he's got a lead. Um, I think he's got an edge here. I think it's pretty narrow, and... The thing that fascinates me about the way the polls have come in, honestly, all summer, all the way up to now, is that these polls keep showing a close Senate race and a not-close governor's race. And the only ways you can do that are either a bunch of people are going to vote in the Senate race and go home, or there's such thing as a Beto O'Rourke, Greg Abbott voter in Texas, which would be, you know, we were talking about purple spots. That's a purple spot. If somebody's splitting their ticket between a Democrat like O'Rourke and a Republican like Abbott as they go from the Senate race down to the governor's race, 
then you got something new operating in Texas politics. And that's interesting because I've not read Greg Abbott speaking out directly against Beto O'Rourke a whole lot. Now, there's no reason to have, you know, there's usually not a good reason to get into a race that's not your race. I mean, if you've got a race, you concentrate on your own race. That's pretty standard politics. Um, you know, and nobody's really asked him. I mean, you know, he he's Cruz's former boss. The assumption, he's always said nice things about Cruz. The assumption is he's going to be with Cruz. Um, I don't know that he's been straight up asked about it, but, um, you know, it's pretty smart in politics to stay out of, you know, stay out of other people's fights unless you have to. Well, things calming down on a lot of fronts, which is why the Texas Tribune plants the Trib Fest where they do, because it fits well within, before the hurricane begins into November. Ross, tell a lot of folks what's going on at Trib Fest and how, even if they're not in Austin, they can participate in, in what you got going on. People who want to become Texas political junkies. It's a three-day festival starts tomorrow. It's sort of like a music festival for nerds. It's not music. It's uh, public policy, politics, all the stuff that we talk about on this show and other places. Um, and it's going to be in downtown Austin, uh, like I said, starting tomorrow, mostly with some national podcasts that you hear around. You can go watch them tape those things and kind of a... Um, comes comes in with a little bit of a slow start tomorrow night. Um, John Kerry will be the opening interview. Evan Smith will interview him. And then on Friday and Saturday, we have 360 speakers coming in to talk in a bunch of venues around downtown Austin about everything from politics to public and higher education, criminal justice, immigration, you know, almost every subject that um, comes up down here. If you're not in Austin, a lot of the big events, the you know, like the Kerry, the Kerry interview, uh, some of the one-on-one -on -one interviews that we'll do through the weekend um, will be live-streamed on our website, which is texastribune.org. And if you can get down here, it's a lot of fun. All right. Not going to make it this time, Ross. I was going to go put up a uh, bedroll in your backyard, but maybe next year. Well, I'll tell the, I'll tell the dog she's got it all to herself. <laughs> for this year. Hey, uh, <laughs> Ross Ramsey. As always, thanks for breaking it down. A lot of people like to listen, and I've got a couple of uh, texts that I'll spare you from and try to answer them in your stead. You know, uh, I'll answer them in your voice, too. Tell them, well, <laughs> Ross told me this offline. Uh, appreciate you, buddy. Good luck. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Ross Ramsey. Hey, I'm uh, going to catch this quick break. Uh, Quickie break here and uh, get back in with you. Want to break down some of this Kavanaugh, Schwertner stuff? You've not heard me talk a lot about that. Thought this might be a good time right here on your other side. Getting a uh, text in that uh, Rick Francis on the cell phone wants to uh, join us here. About uh, four minutes from now, I think that's when his secretary said he had time. Rick Francis on the cell phone coming up here on your other side in the segment brought to you by Title One, Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company. The aforementioned somewhat famous Charity Leeson Realtor loves her some Title One. Title One committed to providing you 
with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title I can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs. Title One. So we just got off uh, the phone with Ross Ramsey talking about Charles Schwartner, a state senator, formidable pro-life guy. Uh, James texting in, how does anyone know? Hold on. If you got young kids, turn the phone down, whether you're listening by podcast or on the radio. Turn either mechanism down, five, four, Three, two, one. How do they know it's his genitals? How do they compare? Didn't the Texas Republicans bring this on themselves with the anti-slap legislation? I don't know. Um, I don't know how you go. I'm sure that, um, you know, if you're in that kind of crossfire, maybe you pull the pants down. Do a little comparison. I don't know what they got. I would tend to think that if it's, it's sent to UT officials, there are a lot of people who filed public information requests today with the name of the grad student and uh, names of potential recipients of those pictures if they've been sent via electronic transmission. Uh, that should be a story that... If that happened yesterday, then uh, probably October 7 or so, uh, the world is going to see. Uh, But listen, I've been slow on this Kavanaugh thing because I hate that we're in this new world order where there's not due process. And I've said this on both sides, but because someone comes forward and says this, then you automatically have to believe it, or else you're a racist, a misogynist, you're Jim Crow, you're a white nationalist. I mean, all this stuff plays out, and it just flames out over time, and to the detriment, I think, many times of people who have legitimate problems. And that's this Kavanaugh stuff coming up, 11th hour, I think, has grounds of suspicion. But whenever you get not what I will say, and also, I don't know what I was doing as a junior in high school. I don't have a calendar to present it. And if somebody comes with an up with an accusation, I'm probably guilty because I'm not going to be able to bear the burden of proof in this new world order where you're presumed guilty. I mean, God forbid anybody goes through and looks at cowpokes tapes from, you know, the early 90s of me and the Abernathy Brigade. Um, And that's not to say that we were accosting anybody. It's just, you know, I don't want tapes of me getting out of cowpokes with a fake ID saying that I was born in 6666, 15 natural lights in. I don't want my children to see that. I don't think it's, I don't think it bears on my character today. And that's where I get caught up on that Kavanaugh stuff. Now, however, I think that this Schwartner stuff, you got to step back and say, okay, this was not 37 years ago. This was in the past few years. And, you know, like the lieutenant governor says, you've got to give it some process and, and see if the claims are correct. And if they are proven incorrect, then okay. But also, you've got to give it process and not presume guilt until 
uh, and not go yell down Senator Cruz in a restaurant that we believe survivors without any any evidence that says otherwise. It's a dangerous place. Uh, since the Salem witch hunts to today, to automate, and I take you take in the '60s as well. A black man, you know, accused of a crime is automatically anytime there's automatic guilt in the culture, uh, in a society, I should say, uh, you're you're on your way to failing. So we'll see what happens with the Schwartner stuff. I know a lot of people on the left would like him to be uh, guilty because it would undercut in a massive way efforts in the Texas Senate, all under the auspices of a family man. Another would be Jimmy Swaggart, uh, Ted Baker. Was his name Ted Baker? What was that televangelist's name? Baker. Jimmy Baker? Jim Baker? Jim Baker. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that's where the undercutting comes and uh, begins to decimate a lot of arguments. So we'll see how all that plays out. Again, just look up Schwartner. You can find in really my big gripe with Schwartner has been in regardless of what's happened here. Uh, I'm a big proponent of children who've got great needs and need home health care to go see them. I've talked about that plenty on the program. I'm a pre-womb and post-womb pro-lifer. And if we're going to mandate that children be born by the state, then the state has a responsibility in their lives after birth. And there are children in the surrounding listening audience, Leveland, Brownfield, where there are children who live with G-tubes in their stomach and live and have never walked. Uh, some children that were born, born conjoined. Uh, mothers who got counseling that this is going to go awfully wrong. It's going to cost you. Your husband's got to work three jobs. You're going to have to work two jobs. And you'll still be eligible for Medicaid. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they went through with it because they believed it was the right thing. And I think that there is a responsibility towards those people. You know, you can disagree in a libertarian vein, but you're just hollering and, and taking a leak in the wind. Um, if I'm perfectly willing to say that's my stance and there ought to be good government that comes besides these people and they ought to have accessibility to it. But Schwartner has been a, has been a problem for these children um, and for the care of these children and has cut funding to these children. That's been my big hang-up with Schwartner. Now, his current allegations aside... Um, Schwartner, Schwartner's done a lot to hurt these families and I think has some accounting to do on that front. But as I said, that's all beside the point. And that's just my West Texanism speaking there. Uh, I'm going to let a couple of more sponsors speak to you here. Hopefully we'll get, uh, our guest is, as I've heard rumors to be true, our guests on the phone here momentarily stick right with us here. Plenty of enjoyable content coming up for you on the other side.
Hey, welcome back in this segment of Other Side of Texas. Maybe the smartest sponsorship ever. This segment brought to you by Lubbock File Room. You got a bunch of uh, documents that you need destroyed. You need them stored. Uh, They can help you. Uh, And uh, I think uh, help a lot of people there. What do you got? Lubbock File Room. Help you do some good document storage and shredding services. Uh, Providing good service to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call Lubbock File Room, 806-744-7666. It's LubbockFileRoom.com. Get off here. Take a special call into the program. Uh, Welcome in to the other side of Texas. Hey, Jay. It's Rick Francis on his cell phone. I got you on Bluetooth. Enjoy your show. Sometimes you used to enjoy it a lot more. Same goes with things you write about. Uh, you used to. Well, uh, thank you for coming on there, Chairman. I'm also a writer. You didn't know that. Are you from the Northeast, or is that just kind of like you're isolated there and far west and you just develop your own dialect? It's my parents. Okay. I'm not from here. Oh, okay. Uh, can I ask where you're from? Um, Texas. Okay. That's what it says on my documents. Yeah, and we've seen what you put on your documents there, Chairman, with all due respect. I knew you were a CEO of a bank and busy with downtown development in El Paso, but I didn't know that you had time to write there, Chairman. Well, writing isn't just for the alley dwellers and underlings below our aristocracy. Uh, wow, below our, hold on now. I mean, below the aristocracy? No, what, what are you writing on? I'm writing a book that you'll be interested in. It's I will be. Five Simple Habits, right? Five of the Average Border Millionaire, Chapter B- One. Border Millionaire. Yes, okay, here's the first chapter. This one's so simple. Chapter One, Keep the Cartels Happy, right? <laughs> That's number one. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Number two, keep the billionaires happy. And I'm just getting started. You know, I have almost six chapters now. Uh, six in a, in a five simple ways. Uh, I don't, uh, what was it exactly that, so you're just calling in to break some news that you're going to write a uh, best-selling, uh, novel, uh, best-selling book, I assume. Well, any press is good press. Sometimes, and is this off record? No, you're you're live on uh, on on radio, public airwaves. Oh well, hey man, I think you missed a toe there. Sorry, Jay, I'm on Bluetooth. Yeah, you can't miss on those American alligator classic bit loafers. Okay. Oh, you guys, uh, somebody is shining your shoes. Yeah, I'm on Bluetooth right now. Okay. Okay. Look, I'm working on this chapter, Jay, and I think it's going to be a bestseller in Raiderland. Bluetooth. (laughs) I doubt it. Rick Francis on the cell phone here. Uh, Tell me, chapter three, you want to uh, talk about chapter three, a bestseller in Raiderland. Yeah. 
Okay. It's a I, good one. I doubt that it's going to be uh, a bestseller in Raiderly and probably right above John Sharp's next book on uh, why tech should be absorbed in my system. You know, Johnny and I haven't talked about that. I think that has a nice ring to it, though. Do you call him Johnny when y'all talk? We're good friends. How often do y'all talk? Hey, man. The cup. Sorry. Okay. The cup must fall right below the thumb bone. Yeah. I thought you did Woody Hunt. Is that Brioni suit? It's a Brioni, right? I thought you did that. Okay. So, uh... You're using Woody Hunt's Taylor too. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, what about Chapter Three? Um, it sounds like you're getting your suits tailored and your shoes shined at the same time. I'm busy, Jay. Okay, that's why you're on Bluetooth right now. Okay, I can't even hold my phone. Look, my third chapter. I was thinking, don't piss off, right? Can handle sell it. What do you think? That uh, sounds like a good pro tip to me, there, Rick. Um, yeah, that... hey. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear that. I lost you. My Bluetooth. Okay. You know, I I prefer my Christian name, by the way, it's um Frederick. L Frederick. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and since we're off record right now We're not. I, I say so. We are. Trust <laughs> me, we are. That's chapter four. You know, you gotta listen, Jay. You're good at okay. listening. Okay. Okay. So I was listening earlier, and you said something about a campaign to fire me. Do you think that's serious? Yeah, I think it sounds like it is. I think it's uh, probably going to get a lot of traction there, L. <laughs> Frederick. Well, as much traction as my mustache gets with the ladies, or the kind of traction my money gets with Greggy. Greggy? The governor. Oh. So Johnny and Greggy, uh, probably a little less uh, traction than the mustache. Hey, you know, what do you think is more safe for me right now, okay? Hanging out in Juarez with a bandana Saturday night or Lubbock, this boring Lubbock in plain dress at the upcoming Regent meeting? Uh, Juarez by a long shot, by a well, long shot. Hey, thanks for, hey, 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 what are you doing? This Brioni, not a common man on money. Be careful with that inseam. Hey, man, I got, look, my Bluetooth is messing up. I I got this thing I'm dealing with. My hair implants just showed up. I got to go, Jay. Okay? You guys, I need your insight on Chapter 3. You're a good writer. Sometimes. Not recently. I'll hang up and have my lady transcribe it. Uh, okay, your lady. All right. Um, okay. Hey. hey. What do well, I have to do can, to get can I ask you a couple more yeah, questions? Yeah, I, look, my blue, while I while we've got this, you, okay? can, can I ask I you? Chairman, what do I have to L. Frederick. So many more questions we could have asked. Uh, yeah, to, to the question there. L. Frederick Francis on the cell phone. I do think it's serious. And I've said this before. These people in the panhandle, they are wealthier, they are smarter, and they are crazier. And I don't know where exactly this campaign is coming from. I've got a couple of thoughts. But I think that uh, Francis 
by leveraging the dental school at the cost of the vet school. And that is what we have by all accounts right now, something that was initiated by the governor and then the governor's former chief of staff. I, uh, I think it's fair to say that the last people in Texas that you really want to tick off are the guys in the panhandle. Guys in the Caprock, we fight too much. I mean, it's too much infighting to really ever be a super significant political force. But those guys in the panhandle, they get around something and they ain't going to let go of it. Uh, just like they did their land, just like they did the Dust Bowl, and everything thereafter. And uh, I tell the story often. There were 16 counties in Texas that went for Barry Goldwater in 1964. Eight of them spread throughout the state. Eight of them there in your panhandle, uh, conglomerated in the panhandle. And uh, they've been hard-headed, and they've gone at it as they have over this course of time. And, you know, here we are, what, um, 60, almost 65 years later, and uh, their sights have been shifted from Lyndon Johnson to L. Frederick Francis. And I don't think that's going to pose well for them in the end. Um, did want to let you know tomorrow right here on the program. Get into some Red Raider talk with our friend Chris Level. It's good to finally feel good about the Red Raiders. And coming up after Level, Brian Mueller has written a book called King of Big Spring, Kings of Big Spring. Have him on the program as well. So until tomorrow, the next episode, we'll see you next time right here on your other side of Texas.